Welcome to the Girl Dad Show, a professional parenting podcast. Each month, I interview entrepreneurs, leaders, and professionals who are balancing parenthood, life, and profession in the hopes to learn what it takes to be an amazing professional parent. Today on the Girl Dad Show, I'm interviewing Erin Taylor, who has built a wonderful parenting coaching business. And we talk a lot about her journey to entrepreneurship and podcast creation from being a foster care therapist. We also go over the importance of building a loving environment for families and what sparked her journey, and then being able to build her life around her family with time and work. It's an amazing journey, an amazing story that I can't wait for you to check out. I hope you enjoy it. Erin, thank you so much for joining me today on my show. I am so excited to be here with you today. Oh, thank you for that. Let's jump right into it. Why don't you tell the listeners what you do for a living? Well, I am a parent and family coach. And I have worked with families my entire career since getting out of graduate school in the <laughs> mid-90s. We don't discuss that. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> I've had tons of fun helping families to create more peace and joy in their homes and kind of overcome and figure out ways to get around the obstacles and the challenges. So you've always been in this space. I've always been in this space. Yes, yes, yes. Um, when I was 11 years old, I was, I, I've known since I was 11 that this is what I wanted to do. Uh, when I was growing up, I was very fortunate to have wonderful parents who just, just did everything they could to, to give me a, a fabulous childhood. And as I started getting to be an older child, I started looking around and realizing, huh, I didn't. I don't think all of my classmates have the same kind of mm. home life that I do. And so once I really fully understood that, it just kind of clicked one day and I just said, I want to dedicate my life to trying to make sure that other kids get to have a, a wonderful childhood like I did. And so I've known beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's what I wanted to do that's amazing. since I was about 11. It's actually a rarity, I think, that um, people even get to do what they do out of college. But for you to be able to do what you want to do since you were 11, that's that's got to be extremely unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and can I ask what your childhood was like? What made it so great? And what was the distincting, uh, distinctive factors that you realized that, um, uh, that made it so great? That's a really good question. Uh, well, I mean, my parents were kind to me they they didn't punish me i got grounded mm. once in my entire life uh when when i screwed up or did the wrong thing they just kind of talked to me about it and tried to set me straight you know put me on the right path if i was you know if i talked back or did something wrong or mean or whatever they just tried to straighten out my behavior and encourage me to to do a better job or be a nicer person or, or, you know, things like that. And they didn't spank me. They didn't scream and yell at me. I don't know how (laughs) I didn't drive them crazy, (laughs) but, um, they were just kind. They were just kind. And they, my mom used to tell me that she didn't have as a, a terrific childhood and she but she never really would go into detail what that meant so i don't have any idea but 
she just told me that she was determined that she was going to give me a better childhood than she had and she did it she really did it i don't know how but she did it and my dad was just a very peaceful person uh he was uh, a peacekeeper he didn't want people to argue and fight and not get along so if ever two family members or something had a some kind of a disagreement he would always jump in there and try to help them wow that's awesome and then did you notice some some of these um differences as you were growing up you said right so like you started to realize that a lot of your colleagues in in class and school were going going through different difficult times yes uh not a lot of them but just certain ones jumped out at me uh i remember when i was in third grade there was a girl in my class who it was pretty obvious that she didn't have a terrific home life. Uh, I remember that she would come to school in the same clothes Mm. often and her hair often seemed like it hadn't been washed in days and days. It looked a little greasy. Sometimes her clothes look a little dirty. Um, So I knew that she wasn't, she must not be in this, you know, in a terrific situation at home and as a result i i saw that other kids in my class kind of shunned her and that really just hurt my heart and so i went home one day and i i told my parents about her and i asked them if they could take me to the store which was kmart back Mm -hmm. then that's what was close to us um they asked, I asked if they would take me to the store so I could get a brand new coloring book and a box of 64 crayons that I could take to school for this girl. And so my dad ran me right up to the store and we got two new coloring books and a box of crayons. And then the next day at recess, I asked her if she mm. would like to color with me. So we just sat on the blacktop outside and colored together. And that's kind of the those two things I would say were the defining moments for me career wise knowing that other kids didn't have the same uh, wonderful experiences that I was having and then seeing knowing how that felt for me to try to reach out and help that girl in my class those two things really kind of solidified it for me this is this is really what I'm here to do I am here to try to help parents so that they can give their children the childhood that their children deserve. And that doesn't mean, you know, getting all the fanciest material things and all that. It just really means loving them and supporting them and and guiding them and being gentle with them. All kinds of things that we parents all want to do, but sometimes it's hard if we didn't have that modeling growing up or we get triggered and we don't understand how to overcome them the triggers and all that kind of stuff so those are the two defining thanks for sharing that that's a really great origin story i mean it's very curious to hear that you got to choose um the career that you wanted at such an early age and it just it's it's really fascinating because i think you're actually the first person i've ever met that actually kind of did what they wanted to do by 11 years old (laughs) That's actually really uh, interesting. How, how does how does one get into um, parent coaching and um, and doing in your field? Is that is that some sort of like you said you went to MBA for it? You got an MBA for it? Is that 
Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a master's oh, got in it. counseling okay. psychology. Awesome. Is what I have. So, it, it, well, it's kind of an interesting thing that happened. So when I went to college, when I was in high school, I, I just never even thought that I wouldn't go to college. I just, you know, just assumed that's just mm-hmm. what I was go- going to do. It never mm. was a question for me. Uh, and the peer group that I surrounded myself with, none of us questioned that we would go to college. It was just kind of right. a given that that's what we were doing. And we mm. all ended up going to college and doing whatever we did. But I was the first person in my family on either side of my family to go to college, let alone mm-hmm. graduate from college, let alone get mm-hmm. a graduate degree. So when it came time to go to college and, you know, decide what I wanted to major in, I got cold feet because I didn't have this role model to show me this is how it, you know, you just decide what you want to do and go do it. It's not that difficult. So suddenly I started wondering, oh my gosh, am I, am I smart Mm. enough for this? Can I, can I really do this? I, I don't think I can. So I chickened out and I said I would major in graphic design. Oh, wow. Because it's very weird, right? Very weird. Uh, I had I had spent my senior year on our yearbook uh, committee, club, whatever. And I really enjoyed the laying out the pages yeah. and, you know, putting the little things in there and yeah. where the text goes with the pictures. And so I thought, well, I like that. I think I'll major in that. And then in the... Uh, Late fall of my freshman year, I was, well, first of all, I was spending eight hours on projects and then the art teachers were just demolishing my projects, just critiquing them so that like, I felt like the lowest of low, like an amoeba when I would leave (laughs) these art classes where they were just destroying my work after I put so much time into it. So I was already feeling discouraged and drained and all this kind of stuff and I went to the train station to get a ticket to go home Mm -hmm. for the weekend so I wasn't leaving then I just walked to the station to buy my ticket and then I would leave after my classes were done that day and when I when I went into the train station I noticed this family they caught my eye Uh, a mom a dad and a boy who looked to be maybe maybe about 11 or 12 years old and the mom was clearly high mm. on something. I have no idea what. And it turned out that the mom and the boy were going somewhere on a train and the dad was had brought them to the train station and then the dad was leaving. So this mom was so not oh, no. in the right frame of mind. And the mom and dad went to purchase the tickets. They left the little boy the young boy to deal with the bags that they had brought. They didn't even look to see where he was or where their bags were. And I was just transfixed with this family and I I couldn't even leave the station. I just, I just, I couldn't, I just had to see what was happening with this family. And then once they purchased the ticket and waited for their train, their train was called and it was downstairs below the, the main area, the main floor. And when they'd called the train, the little boy, the mom and the dad kissed and departed. The dad left. And then the the boy took his mom's hand and he said, Now, mom, give me your hand. When we get on this train, I want you to hold my hand so that you don't get lost. And he, meanwhile, oh, he's wow. carrying the bags. 
And the mom's kind of like, you know, her eyes are rolling around. It was, it was just, I, I thought I was in the twilight zone. I was so disturbed by what I witnessed that I watched them until they got out of my sight down the stairs. And I turned and went back to school. I went right to my guidance. I mean, my uh, advisor's office. And I said, I have to change my major right this second. And so I changed to psychology. You know, I got the cold feet. I got afraid. Maybe I can't succeed. And then that told me, absolutely, you are doing the wrong thing. You need to do what you knew you wanted to do when you were 11. So then I switched all my classes for the the upcoming quarter, and it's amazing I've never looked story. Back. That's awesome, and it's kind of unfortunate because it sounds like you actually never found out the whole backstory with that family, right? But it it was what it, it caused enough no. um, visceral reaction for you to realize what it is that you wanted to do and how you wanted to impact the world. Yeah. So each time I work with a new family, not every single time, but when, when I tell this story and I think about the new families that I work with or the current ones I'm working with, I just, I just know that my work is in honor Mm -hmm. of that little boy. And at this point, he's probably 40 years old. You know, I don't know who he is or where he is or whatever happened to him, but I know that my work is inspired by him because if I hadn't, come across him and his mom in that train station I don't know you know something would have guided me in the right direction but I don't know what it would have been so um yeah I keep that young boy close to my heart all the time thanks for sharing that and then so once you graduated what does that look like so you like I guess like where's the jump like what'd you do from graduation to starting this as a business and doing this as a career so after college, I went to graduate school, got my master's in counseling psychology, and then I worked for an agency that um, served foster mm. children. And so I worked with foster kids and their foster parents, not the bio parents. Uh, I did that for almost 20 years. And by 18, 19 years in, I started getting very, very mm. burned out very burned out because it's just a grueling population to work with. It's really hard. The kids just have terrible situations. It's very depressing. Uh, I used to hold on to the few success stories that, that I encountered, but I was feeling really burned out and I spoke to uh, a colleague and I was saying to her, oh my gosh, I think I'm having like a career crisis. I think I need to switch careers or something. I I, I don't know what to do because I'm Mm. burned out, but I can't imagine what else I would possibly do. This is all I've ever wanted to do. And she said, instead of working in a different career, why don't you work with a different population? And it was almost like all the lights in the room went on and all of a sudden I was just like, oh, (laughs) that's such a simple answer to my problem. (laughs) So I went home and did an exhaustive search of uh, different kinds of graduate programs I could look into that where I could maybe get a different degree or some kind of different training or something. Nothing was really speaking to me and jumping out at me. And I had enough wisdom by that point to know to just sit tight 
and the right answers would come if I just had faith that they would come. And so I ended up, um, I saw a meme on Facebook that caught my eye and I really liked the quote. And I thought, hmm, I wonder who this person is who put this up here. So I clicked through to the page and it was a man and he said he was a parent coach. And it's the first time I ever saw those two words together. Yeah, I mean, ever. I actually haven't and heard I of it. Thought... I only learned about those those words together like a couple of months ago. So yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not a well-known field. Um, and it certainly wasn't back then. And I just thought, oh my gosh, what is a parent coach? That's yeah. what I need to do. What is it? So I went to this guy's website, hoping I could find out where he went to school. And I he didn't have it listed. So I remembered I had been listening to a podcast by people I adore, good friends of mine, Todd and Kathy Adams, and it's called Zen Parenting Radio. Mm. So I remembered that about a year prior, she mentioned that she was a parent coach. I remember hearing that, but it didn't jump out at me back then. So I went to her website to see if I could see where she went to school and she did have her school listed. So I went right to that website I was on the phone with the, the founder of the program the next day. I applied that day and I started wow. two weeks later. So that's how I kind of found myself. Yeah. Where I, I mean, and then can we, can we just jump really quick and then come back? Cause I want to know uh, at what point the kids came into the picture. So if you don't mind sharing with the listeners, you know, who are your kids and uh, how old are they? I have four kids. My oldest yeah, my oldest daughter died of a heart defect when she was a baby. Um, so she would be 21 now. And we struggled through several years of fer infertility. And so th our first three kids are IVF oh, wow. babies. So our son was born about a year and a half after our daughter. And he's 19 now. And then we had another daughter about three years later, and she just turned 17 this week, as when we're recording this. And then our son, our, our youngest, was a happy little surprise. Um, and he's 14 oh, that's now. Amazing. So, and I'm really sorry to hear about your first, and thank you so much for sharing that. I, I can't even... I don't even know how to respond, honestly. Like, it's it's um, <laughs> that I don't even know how I would. Yeah, it's making me like very um, emotional just even thinking about what that could be like. Um, and so I, I really do apologize. Um, but for the Thanks. for the for the for the um, timing wise, though, it sounds like you had them when you were a foster care therapist. Good math. Wow. Yes, wow. I did. So yes. So w what do they think about you making this switch? Because they're basically watching you kind of do this almost as adults. Some of them, at least, um, really understanding like the the jump that you're making, right? I guess my youngest was six when I sh when I went back to school to get certified oh, as a parent okay. coach, and then that would have made my oldest eleven. So I mean, they knew I was going back to school, and in the years since, they've watched me basically work mm -hmm. from home because my sessions even pre COVID were mostly online, you know, video remote telehealth sessions. 
And so it's been really, you know, if we talk about juggling parenthood and a career and a business, it's been a tremendous blessing because I've been able to build a business doing what I love, working from home, and I have control over my schedule. I mean, what could what could a person possibly want more than that? <laughs> and so That's a really great way of looking at it. Yeah. Even, it is I, I feel like I hit the lottery. I don't even know. I don't I I don't even know how it could be any better, how I could create a better life than I have now. Um, my kids play sports. And so when sports seasons roll around, like right now, we just started spring volleyball for my youngest and my older two are also playing volleyball. Well, the one, my daughter's done now for the season, but my son in college, he's got two more weeks for his volleyball season. So we get to, because of COVID, we get to watch his matches online and sometimes we drive to see them. And then the younger one, we have matches for him now. So when I am working with my clients and we go to schedule our appointments, our sessions for the following week, I just, I already have it written down on my schedule when my kids sports are or their school events or what have you. And I just don't schedule it. You know, I, I'm flexible with my clients. If they, if their kids or they have something, we don't necessarily have to have the same day and time every week, unless that works for both of us. If they need something different, we switch. Or, you know, we schedule a different time. If I need something different, we schedule. So it's just perfect. I don't have to miss out on practically anything. That's amazing. I think that's incredible. And you you answered the main question that I like to ask on this podcast, which is what I'm trying to figure out, right? I'm like trying to learn how to like figure out how to qualify and quantify, you know, the, the time juggle between building a business and being a good parent. And I, I love that you qualified that for yourself. Did you do that intentionally like that? Or uh, was that something that happened organically? And then you're just like, oh, it's exactly what I wanted. Or were you like, no, this is exactly how what success looks like for me. It's a good question. And if I think back, I don't think it was 100% intentional on my part, although it was partially. So before my kids were born, I worked full time. Once they were born, once they they started coming along, I worked part time. And so I worked part time during the day for a couple of years when they were young. And then I switched to a different agency and I worked part time at night. So I would be home during the day while my husband was at work. And then when he would get home, I would leave and go see my families. And then once I switched over and opened my own business as a parent coach, then I could schedule it any time of day or night. Working with kids, you you have to work in their free time, which is Mm -hmm. after school. So I always had to work when my kids weren't in school. So that was a little bit weird or not weird, just to me, it didn't feel ideal because I was leaving when they were now home. I didn't really enjoy that too much, but working now with parents, I work with parents and kids, you know, it just depends on the family. So some of my families, I work with the parents during the day, you know, during their lunch hour or whatever their days off. 
So I can work a lot when my kids are at school and then occasionally I work with parents who have to be seen at night or I work with their kids or what have you. But I'm working from home so it's one hour and my kids and my husband know when I'm when I have a call or a session, then they have to leave. You have to be quiet. They can't come in yeah. the room, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then once that hour is over, then I go back out and I do whatever I do. And if I have another one later, I go back in. So it's just really, really flexible. And I, I, I feel like I'm living. That's awesome. <laughs> I think it's only possible by building up, um, you know, good, good, obviously good clients and a good history and good reputation and, and service, but it's also about building that business, right? Cause you also just have to get that engine going. I mean, just cause you put up a shop saying open now, I'm assuming it didn't just start flooding in or did it? Oh, absolutely okay. not. So you did have to learn some business mechanics on like sales and marketing. Oh, I, I was astounded at how much I didn't know <laughs> and how ill prepared I was mm -hmm. to do this. And I remember in the last months of my certification program, they had someone come in and, and do this little math problem with us. Figure out how many, how much money you want to make per year, how much you're going to charge per hour, and then do the math and you'll just figure out how many clients you need to see each week in order to meet your goal, your financial goal. So I did the math and everything and I figured it out and uh, I figured if I had between 10 and 20 clients a week, that would still be kind of part-time, well, very part-time, but it would be enough to meet my financial t goal at that point. So I did the math problem. I dutifully did the math problem the way they said <laughs> and then I had my number. Okay, I need 10 to 20 clients. Perfect. I am ready for graduation. Yeah. And then as the month of graduation opened up, at the beginning of that month, I would be done at the end. I thought, oh my gosh, and all my attention was on the final project and the research paper I had to do and the hundred hours of coaching I had to finish up. And, you know, I was sprinting towards the finish line and I'm going to be done this paper. My goal was to be to turn it in two weeks early, which I did. So all eyes and attention were focused on the, the, the finish line. And I thought, I'm going to be finished two weeks early before graduation. This is going to be amazing. I'm going to be <laughs> done. 1231, Jan uh, New Year's Eve was my was the, the due date of everything. 1215 is when I wanted to have it in. So I thought, this is great. And then I'll have free time before Christmas. And it's going to be great. I can put my shingle out on January 1st. And then I can have my 10 to 20 clients. It's going to be great. And so, you know, I thought that first, I don't know, a couple of days. And then all of a sudden I went, hold on a second. Where are those 10 to 20 people coming from? <laughs> Darn it. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. How am I going to find 10 to 20 people? That's a lot, a of, lot people. of people. <laughs> Especially if you're just starting it, right? So. Yeah. It's amazing. So that's when the, the pain of reality set in on me. And I realized oh, this isn't, there's like a big piece that I was missing. And as much as I loved my coaching program, there was a big missing piece there where they, I don't feel that they prepared 
me or my fellow classmates for the reality of what we were really stepping yeah. into. And at that point, I still had the families that I was working with from my other agency. I had decided the way I would make the transition was that I wouldn't take on new families. I would just keep the ones I already had until they you know, went through the completion of their program. So I still had all those families that I worked with. So I would spend the time trying to figure out how to build my business during the day when the kids were in mm. school and then go see my other families through my agency at night. And then, you know, as they gradually kind of came to a conclusion in their program, I kind of wound down with that. But it took a while to... I had one client right away, so I was super excited. Yeah, I have one client, but it took a while to get number two. Yeah, how did that happen with the first one? I mean, that's awesome that it came so quickly, but like, like, what, it, what was it? Just like asking around? Was it as like a friend of the family, or like, what was it? How did you get it? <laughs> Interestingly enough, it was one of my teachers in my coaching program. Oh, she was so impressed with me as a student that she had faith and belief in me and she said when you graduate I want you to coach me and I thought oh my goodness I held this woman in such high esteem and for her to to return that esteem back to me I just thought I know I'm doing the right thing wow. here I that's know great. it that's so, amazing yeah so that was really um reinforcing, validating that I was doing the right thing so so how long do you think it took you to actually build up like the business that you know, I mean, that you like felt like you actually had that one aspect of it covered because it sounded like you had the product really dialed in and you had your passion dialed in and you kind of knew that this was the place that you wanted to go. But like to get that third part, right, the customer and clientele base, right? Because I'm assuming that it sounds like it's great now, but it, it sounds like you went through the journey of having to build that uh, just like um, just like through, <laughs> you know, blood, sweat and tears to a little to a certain degree here. What was the timing on that? I yeah. also... So I also coach coaches to build their business. Oh, got it. Sometimes, cool. Just you from know, your experiences building yours. That's yes. awesome. And so I initially, in addition to trying to build my own coaching practice, built a community, created a community for other coaches who were also trying to build their practices. I realized that there's no sense for all of us to be reinventing the wheel on our own and working from home in a business like this where you have you have clients that you work with but you don't necessarily have coworkers mm -hmm. because it's just That's not right. that kind of business yeah. it's very it can be very isolating and lonely and so i created a community for other coaches to help so that we could all help each other to figure all these things out that we need to know in order to be business owners and so uh, that was a paid community, and I ran that for about eight years or so. Um, and I and I actually just uh, decided to close it this year because I'm putting more of my attention and focus into my own coaching practice. And I have too many. I I have so many clients, not too many. That's not a good mm -hmm. phrase. I have so many clients. Life is so abundant right now that I don't have enough bandwidth to also keep that other community going. Wow. So, uh, so I kind of did both for a, f a number of years, and now I feel like I'm at a point 
where I can just focus on the thing that I initially wanted to do when I was 11. I love this. This is such a great um, story, an origin story. I mean, the building process is so um, fascinating to me. And um, uh, obviously, I'm not as cool as you are, but I, I definitely um, can see the, tr the, tr the, the path that I'm taking on my consulting business and, and how hard it was for me, like, um, getting those first clients, yeah. you're like, wait, why aren't they here? You know, and like having to like really yes. figure that out. And then once you figure it out and you get to a good, you know, engine, it starts to kind of feed itself and you start to get into good rotation. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it's really fun to hear that you actually even took it one step further and started actually like building a community around that. And that's something that that's a really good idea because it kind of like self propels, um, probably all of it. Like it's very, um, it's very uh, symbiotic relationship, right? To actually, very much so. Yeah, it's very clever. And then you also um, you also do content creation too, right? You also have content for um, you have your own podcast that you run for um, uh, other parents, right? Not coaches, I think. I do. I, it's just for parents. Mm -hmm. I have uh, I think over six hundred and fifty episodes. I've been awesome. doing that for quite a few number of years, and I love yeah. it. Sometimes I interview people. A lot of times I just talk, I just get on there if I'm inspired by something I read or a, an interaction with my own kids or something with my clients, I yeah. get in there and talk about, you know, just different aspects of parenting and try to help parents understand their kids and themselves in a slightly clearer way, I guess. What what are the success metrics for you on that podcast, by the way? Like, are, is it like for me? I'm like, try, I guess I'm asking, so I'm trying to figure that out for myself. Like, why the heck am I doing this? <laughs> I'd love to know what you came up with. Is it is it been like business development? Is it been um, for self satisfaction? Like, you know, uh, filling a filling a void? Is it a mixture of both? Like, uh, do you, have you thought through that? I have, and I would say that mostly it's a labor of love. Hmm. When I started it, I did not start it with the idea to have it be an additional revenue stream. Mm -hmm. It has been at times when I've had um, podcast advertisers. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it generates revenue, sometimes it doesn't. It's not something that I've focused super, super intensely on. Yeah. Um, but I also do, well, especially when the, the episodes are just me talking, mm -hmm. I do all the editing and the uploading and everything, and it doesn't take me that mm -hmm. long. So it's not a huge commitment of time for oh, me. That's great. And so I feel like it's just my way of giving, giving to the world and just trying to help parents in a different way. And occasionally some, uh, some of my clients have come from my podcast. They'll email me and say, you know, I want to, I want to work with you and I've been listening to you on your podcast and I like what you say and, you know, stuff like that. So it's kind of like you said, like a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. I feel like I'm giving to the world and sometimes the world gives to me and, and it's all good. I love that. But I'm sure that if I, if I approach it in a different way, I could definitely make it more of a revenue stream but i just haven't 
decided to do that at this point. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you have a really good knack for figuring out how to like solve for problems. And, and you know, the community, uh, the paid community for the coaching thing is like a great example of it. I'm sure that like you could probably tackle this problem as well. But it's really cool that you're constantly thinking about what success looks like and why you're doing it. And and basically almost protecting your time and, and controlling that. That's a that's a really, um, really insightful. It's really, really clever. Um, you probably know that already, but yeah, like listening it, I'm like, I should, I should be better like that too. <laughs> I'm not as good, well, as, good at I, as you are, I think. I say thank you, but I also will say I'm getting better at protecting my time as time goes on. Mm. I was not good at it. I, I'm getting significantly better at it and certainly recently when I was starting my business. I think this is a natural thing mm -hmm. for any business owner. It's hard to say no mm -hmm. and you're so enthusiastic. It's easy to say yes to everything. Right. And then you, 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 you don't know what you don't know. So you don't know which is the good thing, the thing that's going to serve your, your, your purposes and your, your mission. Mm -hmm. And which ones are kind of going to be sort of like a dud. You don't really know because you don't know. So I think early on I said yes to nearly everything right. because of enthusiasm and, oh, this is a potential opportunity. And so many potential opportunities just ended up at dead ends that I put a lot of time and effort into meetings and planning and this and that and the other. And it just didn't go anywhere. Right. right. I know. That's so... It takes time to figure that stuff it does. out. It does. And it's not always easy to figure that out, um, especially if you're like building and you're uh, ambitious, like you said, and you're eager and you're optimistic. It's um, it's hard. Uh, that's a really that's really great advice. Uh, Aaron, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. OK, I, um, I just realized that I, I, okay. I'm talking. Um, um, I'm taking way too much time. I apologize. <laughs> I just noticed the <laughs> clock here. Let me jump into my rapid fire questions so I can actually um, get this. I like to ask the same uh, five questions to every one of my guests so that like, even though the conversation may go all over the place, they get the same answers. Uh, they get the okay. same questions. Sorry. So the first one being, uh, what advice do you have for other parents and soon to be parents? My advice for them would be take your time making decisions Try to listen to your instincts because the, your intuition will always steer you right and make sure that you're taking care of yourself because that is vital. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I think the last one really hits home for me personally. I feel like there's just so many times where I forget to do that. And I think my uh, my wife actually forgets to do that as well. So we're both kind of prey so to that So easy to one. forget. Yeah, and like you don't you don't realize it till like it's actually kind of too late. <laughs> and then you have these like moments, right? But um, it's really, really insightful advice. Um, if you could go back and tell yourself one thing before you had kids, what would you tell yourself? You don't know as much as you think. You do. <laughs> <laughs> and you're in for a rude awakening, lady. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Very good. Um, in that same thread, um, what is the most surprising thing that you've learned about yourself after becoming a parent? I think that the, I'll call it surprising, but it's not actually how, how, how much I've grown and learned to trust my intuition nice. it's always been there 
but parenting has required me to learn how to listen to it even closer mm -hmm. and trust it. I trust it implicitly. Oh, I love that. Um, that's awesome. Um, it sounds like you're becoming more and more confident in it as you, as you said, as you, as years go on. Right. Um, cause I struggle with that a lot too. Like I, I, I can't explain why I feel certain ways, but, um, doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. Right. And so you get like clouded with all these insecurities, uh, and logic and, and things like that. But, um, at the end of the day, like you, you kind of damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So you, you should, I mean, the logic is that you should kind of follow your gut because, um, there's really no right way to do it. That's what I'm finding out as I have. There is uh, no right way to do it, but your intuition, if you can hear it, but that's the trouble. Your intuition will often whisper at such a quiet volume, mm -hmm. and it might whisper in words. It might whisper in a chance encounter with someone. It might whisper in a something that you see on TV. It 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 tries to get your attention in different ways that are that can be very subtle and you can miss it hmm. but if you can learn how to see it when it's showing up it it makes decision making so much easier because when when we have to make sometimes we have to make important decisions as parents that are really monumental for our kids oh yeah you know i'm even thinking about like a, a medical situation yeah. What kind of treatment is the right thing? There's two options. Which one do we go with or That's which right. doctor do we choose? I mean, it could be that or just, you know, whether to make peanut butter and jelly for lunch or something. But sometimes we have to make monumental decisions. Mm -hmm. And if we keep our our focus up in our heads and try to just logic our way through it, it, it really misses, I think, the the really guiding force that we're all born with, that we all have inside. Some of yeah. us have learned how to listen to it better than others. But if you try to rely only on your brain to make the decisions, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just don't think that's the best thing because sometimes your brain can miss certain data points that's that right. are gonna that could sway you to make the right decision. Yep. But your intuition always knows. Yeah, it's processing a lot more stuff than you realize, you know, like it's background. Mm -hmm. It's like a, it's like a supercomputer we have up here, right? And it's doing <laughs> yep. stuff that you don't even realize it's doing. Yes. It's really, really sage. I, I think you're absolutely correct. And I, I've been noticing that a lot more as I, as I, um, as time passes as well. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to learn to accept it and just be okay with that instead of trying to logic everything and, and, and like hedge my bets. And, and it's like a, I don't know, it's like a defense mechanism trying to logic everything out, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's like a protective instinct. It is. It very much so is. Okay, cool. So let me um, keep going here. That was an awesome answer. So what's your all-time favorite book? My all-time favorite book is called The Gift of an Ordinary Day, and it's by my favorite author and friend. Her name is Katrina Kennison. Awesome. I have never heard of it. I'll have to check it out. I love that. I love it's it when I find new wonderful, books to read. It's a wonderful book for parents. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Uh, and then the last question to bring us home, when you're not um, being a parent coach and being a, an awesome mom and then um, doing your podcast and all the other myriad of things that you do, what do you, what does Aaron do for fun? What do you do for your downtime? I love to, I love to exercise. My daughter and I are training for a 10 mile run that's happening on May 1st. Oh, wow. So that's pretty fun. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. 
and I like to I love to take naps out in the sun like a cat. So it's getting warmer <laughs> here in the northeast. And so if it hits 70 degrees and I can fit it into my afternoon, I take my I take a towel outside, I cover my eyes so it's dark, and then I just lay on the lawn chair. That's one of my favorite things to do. That's awesome. <laughs> That's wonderful. I love it. Well, Erin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I did too. This was really, really fun. Oh, I'm glad thank to hear you, you say that. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much. And we'll talk soon, okay? Okay. That sounds great. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Girl Dad Show. Please take a moment to follow us on social media. You can find us at The Girl Dad Show on all major platforms. We look forward to staying in touch and keeping you up to date with all the new guests that are coming out.